0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of v Brown Bag. You may notice that uh we are in a different area, so we've got a different recording space, a different recording well i'm not going to call it recording studio i'm actually back in my my hometown and back in my my old sister my my sister's bedroom uh so please forgive me if the audio is a little bit weird this time uh, but we could I could not pause this recording i'm very excited to have shannon back up in the uh to, in the v brown bag because this is something that is near and dear to my heart now and tonight she is going to be talking about apis and how they're not just for developers anymore um so we've got shannon keen uh i highly encourage you to follow her on twitter she is s h n k u e h n and i always get that wrong so be careful when you add that in to follow <laughs> her um but before we get into it let's do a couple of show notes. If you want to get in on the conversation, we will be at v Brown Bag. I'll be paying attention on the Twitter sphere and in the live Q&A session for the studio audience, or if you hashtag on v Brown Bag, I'll be paying attention to answer your, to help answer, well, be the conduit, the speaker, the mouthpiece to Shannon <laughs> for you so that you can get your questions answered by somebody far smarter than me. <laughs> Again, uh, I highly encourage you to follow her. She is Shan Keem on twitter um and i discourage you from following me i am at mistwire on twitter so um shannon welcome back to the show i'm really really Ah, excited to have you here and and uh i'm I'm gonna stop sharing just because this is a new mac that i i'm gonna completely flub so if you want to go ahead and start your share while we continue to talk then uh then we'll we'll get into the presentation so um some some, You've you've been on the show a couple
1: of times so
0: I'm really happy to have you back.
1: Ah, thanks but for the opportunity.
0: I also wanted to say welcome to to the to a new member of your of your family and and I'm I'm very excited to uh, to see some of the uh, some some of the stuff that's been coming across on that. So congratulations.
1: Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah. I'm so very so excited for, the, for you. so for the folks that uh, are tuning in, uh, I had an opportunity to adopt a kid earlier in the year. So my wife and I we had been kind of waiting for a number of years and It felt like forever. And we finally made that determination. If we're still waiting after two years and we didn't have a kid, we were going to just get a winter home and get dogs. And this is after, you know, trying a number of different times, a number of different avenues and kind of coming up empty. Well, I think my wife finally said, okay, cool. I'm down with the winter home. I'm down with dogs. And she had started to kind of part ways with having a kid. I want to say within a of a week or two, we got a phone call about our son. So I told her that we shouldn't have ever even said we were going to have kids. We said, no, just, just scrap the idea. We probably would have had a kid by now, but whatever. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it all happens for a reason. And it's just, it's been a hilarious year because it's not what we expected. We were actually in Orlando doing kind of the fun stuff that we'd put off because of COVID. So we were at Universal Studios checking out St. Augustine, which is not that far from Orlando, got a phone call about our now son, had to fly all the way from Orlando to Las Vegas, drive two hours south to the border of Arizona and California. And we were there for most of January and early parts of February. So it's been a whirlwind year. Uh, and it's been something that, you know, I wouldn't trade for the world, but that also explains why sometimes I'm a little t- more tired and I'm not firing on all cylinders every single day, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: It's it's definitely been a uh, a new baby time. Uh, it has in, been. In in the Williams household, in the Keene household, I've I was, I was talking to Shannon before the show started. I've got five sisters and, and two of them are, are in the family way as, as we call it down here in the South. And, uh, and we're, we came down here to celebrate with them as well. So, so there's, there's a, there's a lot of poopy diapers in, in yeah. both of our worlds right now.
1: Yeah. And then my, uh, my sister is two years younger. She just found out that she's expecting as well. So she's due late November. So the kid will be born right around Thanksgiving and we're doing the gender reveal on Sunday. So, so she technically knows the gender however she just chose to do it this way. I think her really close friend knows the gender and is getting like I think it's cake or something. I'm not sure. I'm not going to be there so I have to do it all virtually, but it's yeah, it's an exciting time. It it feels like maybe the pandemic's getting over.
0: I certainly I've I've been crossing my fingers for that for a very long time. Every yeah. every time if every time it feels like you know, something something is gonna happen with it. We get a vaccine or people get enthusiastic or something. Some something else seems to take the wind out of ourselves. I know. But I, I I think you're right. I think I think that this time. And uh apparently our sisters are all gonna be um having their kids at the same time. So you, you and I will be swapping <laughs> a lot of baby pictures come late October, or November. I know, I know, I love it, I love it. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, why why don't we why don't we get into this? I've I've sure. been spending a lot of my time in APIs and and I was Absolutely. When you when you tell me what the what the topic was going to be about, I started salivating. So I'm yeah. I'm dying to get into this.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. So hi everybody. As Chris has said, I'm Shannon Keene, and I'm here today to talk about how APIs just aren't for developers anymore. Now, I also always have a slide in here that talks about how you pronounce my last name. I'm a senior program manager on the Identity and Network Access Advocacy team. So I spent a lot of time talking with communities, trying to get them to be excited about embracing the modern identity platform of Microsoft. And if you followed me prior to this role, I did a lot in Azure VMware Solution as well. So I've spent a lot of time in the realm of cloud adoption, trying to get folks excited about moving all of their stuff on-premises into the cloud. Uh, Then you can connect with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. These are great spots to check in, see what I'm sharing. We do a lot of live streams on Twitch. So we'll post about it there, we'll post about blogs, which brings me into a, a quick little plug for my team. I'm part of the 425 show at Microsoft. So if you're not familiar, now you know about the show and we are always looking for folks to collaborate with, right? So If you are a live streamer, if you're a content creator, social media influencer, a blogger, et cetera, and you want to connect with us and be on our show or guest write a blog or anything of that sort, drop us a line. You can learn more about what we run. We call them swarms. Think of them like sprints. They're concentrated activities. So thus far this year, we have done a swarm on decentralized identity, which was pretty cool back in January. And then we just finished up one on identity governance. So we've got, I think, three or four more planned before the end of the calendar year. So definitely feel free to connect with me. We do a lot on YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and we've even done hackathons on DevPost. So no day is the same day. That's kind of the mantra we have on our team. So let's start with the introduction, right? And it's not as scary as it might seem. I think a lot of us are like, oh, another acronym. Oh, I have to learn development technologies. Not necessarily. Now, when I'm learning something brand new, I always go to Wikipedia. And when I went to Wikipedia for a, what, what is an API, I was very bored halfway through. So a particular set of rules and specifications that a software program can follow to access blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I already stopped paying attention, right? And you might have too. It was a little hard for me to kind of wrap my head around. And I don't know if that's just technologists in general. We like to try and out-technology each other. We really shouldn't because API is pretty simple if you think about it. So what does it stand for? Well, it's an acronym because we have all kinds of acronyms in technology. We wanted another one. And there are going to be more acronyms that I talk about throughout the course of this presentation. So it stands for Application Programming Interface. But really, what does that mean? Well, think of the application as a software that performs attacks, right? So it could be something as straightforward as a social media app on your phone, right? That is the application. And then the programming component of it, think about that programming, uh, that program specifically performing a task in the application. You're liking a tweet, you're retweeting, right? That's, you're hitting the API and the interface is the place where the program runs. So in that realm, it's going to be on Twitter's servers. But really, if you think about it, we should probably make this even more simple. So imagine you're at a restaurant and you're ordering something at your favorite restaurant, right? You're excited about it. You're giving that order to the waiter. You could think about the waiter as being the API, right? You're not actually sending the order directly to the back kitchen. The waiter is taking it to the back kitchen. Now, the waiter is going to be what communicates with the back kitchen. You're not involved. So, the back kitchen would be kind of your back end of the application, whereas the API would be the waiter. And at the end of this, right? So, you place the order, the waiter takes the order to the back kitchen, the back kitchen gives the order back to the waiter, the waiter delivers it to you, and it's up to you on how you want to consume it, right? Do you want to use chapsticks? Would you want to use a spoon, a fork? Do you want to use your bare hands, right? It's really up to you on how you make use of what you're trying to fetch from the back end of that application or the back kitchen. So what makes APIs so great? Well, they're easy to read and work with despite the Wikipedia definition. They're useful. They're everywhere, right? So as I had mentioned in the earlier example, you're using them when you're on social media, right? They're platform independent. So you don't have to worry about I can only access this if I'm on a Windows machine, or I can only access if I'm on a Linux server, right? You can be on any machine and access APIs because they happen inside of the web. So that's kind of a cool reality. They are platform safe, or sorry, they are upgrade safe. They are, uh, there's some simple operation to handle CRUD operations. So create, read, update, delete it's a simple way of handling all of that info. So deleting an email inside of your Gmail account, you're hitting an API. It's pretty straightforward, right? Um, And you don't have to worry about sending something to Gmail servers. That's being done for you. Um, Developers don't need to write the program. They just use the API. So it simplifies the process quite a bit. And then if you think about it one step farther, developers usually aren't hitting the API directly. They're using an SDK or some sort of tooling like PowerShell, or if you're in Azure, they're using the AZ CLI, right? And now the cool part is us ops folks get to do the same thing. So I think we've got some folks in the chat. Uh, let me see if I can make sure I've got the chat open. Or maybe Chris, you want to just let me know what people say, because this is going to be the interactive part.
0: Yes. So yeah. So
1: I'm sorry, Let's then. test our knowledge here. Mm-hmm. For the first example, Let's think of it as it's a signal test text message using your cell phone. So let's think about it. What would be the interface?
0: Would you say the, inter- the interface would be your cell phone?
1: Okay, and then uh, what would be the programming component?
0: The programming component,
1: like like the the, the programming part of the API
0: um The actual message itself, or the SMS sure. protocol.
1: Yep. Okay. And then the app. <laughs> what What would be the application side of it? That That would be
0: the messaging platform within the the the, the texting portion okay. of it, the mess. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. And then, so when it comes to a Google search or a Bing search, I do work at Microsoft. I'm supposed to give Bing some love. <laughs> um, uh, what would be the interface?
0: The uh, The The portal. The 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 web portal.
1: Okay what would be and i'm i'm not giving you the right or wrong sort of thing we'll, we'll, we'll go into that next <laughs> oh, somebody um, said
0: chrome shuts fired
1: wow. oh no <laughs> that's okay i used to use chrome pretty exclusively when i came to microsoft and i was told very quickly that now that edge is around i should probably be using edge more often um so yeah so it's just it's the battle of, of wits right what's what what what's you know how are you going to keep this going right so um so you said so you said the the browser okay so the actual programming component, right so where where would that be, or what would that be? I should say It's probably what a better way of wording it.
0: What would be the programming component um, mm-hmm. the 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 call to the search engine
1: okay, and then what would be the application
0: oh well'm now I'm confused uh, the brow the browser I mean so maybe maybe the interface is the actual URL and the application is the browser
1: okay, so hold that thought. Let's go down to the moderate and complex, right? Because there are APIs that aren't accessible via the web, right? I think most of us didn't realize we were using APIs when we were building software or building solutions with software that was already developed for us. Um, So if you're creating orders in eBay when you get them and there's no browser components, uh, what's the interface? So you've got an application that's hitting the API for eBay. What would be the interface?
0: If you don't know, we can just keep moving forward.
1: And then we could, did I, did I lose you? Maybe I lost you. Um, so I guess, think about this. I, There's always going to be some sort of interface programming component and an application component. So when it comes to the moderate to complex, right, when you think about the programming element, that would be probably creating the order potentially, right? Um, The application, probably eBay, same sort of thing. SAP is very similar. There is an API you can hit. Um, So let's go into what that looks like. Okay, so Chris was right. The interface is the cell phone. The programming section of the API would be the messaging. The application would be signal. Inside of the Google search, the computer is actually the interface. Um, I guess you could argue and say it could be the web browser as well. Um, That's where it gets to that that tiny minutiae, right? But in the example that I found when I was doing some research for this, I was like, okay, I like this. This works. The programming component would be search. The application would be Google or Bing. And then very similarly down below, the interface is eBay. The application is eBay. Same for SAP. And then you're creating these orders. So that's the programming component. The big important things to call out here when people talk about apis they generally mean moderate to complex right when you're talking about apis at your company moderate to complex Uh, most api discussions as well involve web apis now there are four different types of apis there are public apis partner apis internal apis and composite apis So for purposes of kind of talking this through, I'll keep it in the public API realm, but your partner API would be if you initiated some sort of B2B guest and you're collaborating with somebody outside your organization, that would be a partner API. Internal API would be like maybe an HR system and a composite API. And I always have to look this up because I always screw this up. um, It could combine two or more APIs to craft a sequence of related or independent interdependent operations. So those are the four different types of APIs. Now, the devil is always in the details, right? So let's talk a little bit about the API details. Three things happen during every interaction with an API. There's a request, a program, or a task is run, and the application sends back a response. So to go back to the analogy from earlier, we've got the idea of Liking a tweet, retweeting, anything on that sort, you're hitting the API and that's coming back to you and you're seeing that you've liked the tweet or that you've retweeted the tweet. Let me double check the, uh, I just now, okay, so my apologies, y'all. I just found the chat. (laughs) What I will do, since I think Chris may have lost connectivity, I will keep the chat kind of open down here. That way I can.
0: See this is why I left the uh this is why I left the sticks. we just had a power outage and the networking got knocked off off the oh
1: no I
0: am so sorry i am do so not sorry.
1: do not worry about it we i I kept going okay. and um and you know what's so funny too is because I'm not very used to to zoom. I found the chat, so my apologies y'all people were People were chatting in the chat, and I didn't even realize that. Yeah, hardware issues, exactly. So, oh um, can you can you still see my screen? Okay, I think you still can see my screen, right? Yep, yep, we can still okay, see your cool. screen.
0: Sorry about that, folks.
1: Ah, no worries, about, no worries at all whatsoever. Things things uh, that's out of your control. So, but um, I did I did find the chat too. So now I can uh, keep that open. So my apologies for not knowing where the chat was. I blame working at Microsoft. I'm in Teams all day long, so I'm kind of Zoom dumb, sort of in a way. Um,
0: not even a little bit.
1: Just a little bit, just a little bit.
0: <laughs> no way. <laughs> All right, what did I missed. No, actually so, don't tell me what I missed. Just keep going.
1: So, yeah. So, so the, the gist of it is the there's, there's three things that happen at with every API call. There's a request, a program, and a task is run from that request, and then the application sends back a response from whatever you're asking from the backend service, whether it be a database it's usually a database, some sort of something, it'll give you stuff back, right? So I use the analogy of Twitter again. When you like a tweet, when you retweet a tweet, you're hitting the API and then it's showing up on your phone as you have liked or retweeted that tweet. So you're using an API I didn't even know. Well, hopefully you knew, if you didn't know, I hope I didn't you know, make your mind completely blow up, but we are using APIs daily. So let's talk a little bit about the API of, uh, the anatomy of an API call. There's going to be the base URL, followed by the query. And there's usually going to be a query, right? Sometimes you don't see that within the URL that shows up. Sometimes that's sort of abstracted to you because most end users don't need to know that there's a query that was run. Then there's a key. Now, all my examples won't use an API key, but that is one way to ensure that you're authorized to hit that API, right? So if you sign up for a Twitter developer account, you get an API key. And that is your API key until you say you want to regenerate the key. And that's good, good practice. You probably don't want to keep that key as your API key for a really long period of time. You probably want to regenerate it over time. So then what does that look like? That's sort of what it looks like, right? You get the base URL, there's a question mark, there's a query right? And there's usually a little equal sign in there. And then there's an amp- an ampersand, the API key equals, and then you put the API key in. Now, every single API is different. That's That's the unfortunate reality that we live in. But I'm going to showcase real quickly a demo. So let me go here to Google, right? So let's type in my name. So I don't know if you've ever taken a look at the top up here, right? So it's a search parameter, question mark, Q for query, Shannon plus key. I don't remember exactly what this is, but this is some of the ways that it gives you the info. And you're finding, you know, my LinkedIn handle, my Twitter handle, right? My my blog, some videos I've done, right? Um, we could do uh, VMware. Same thing. But did you know that you don't have to keep this all here? So let's say you're developing something in the realm of your Google, right? I don't let's just say we're you know we're working in the realm of Google uh search. Uh let's do VMware. It's the same thing, but notice how I took out all of the extra bits here. So if you are just needing info to be returned. You can always experiment with the API. And this was something that I didn't even realize you could do, right? I didn't realize that some of this stuff is just sort of what you wind up experimenting with as time unfolds. Now, the cool part, and I do need a cheat sheet for this. So my, (laughs) my apology is I just found this out. So let's say we wanted to just do an image search, right? So there's a way to do it. So let's leave the query in, query equals VMware. And then actually, let's be, sorry, we have to change this ever so slightly. There is, it's called TBM, it's to be matched, right? And then ISCH is what they use for their images. I don't remember exactly what it stands for, but then you add the ampersand in, go to the end here, I'm going directly into the images without having to click on images, right? So, hopefully, that shows you there are ways to manipulate APIs on the fly. And you probably didn't even know that Google's API is probably one of the most, well, wildly used because I think all of us in IT tend to go to Google first. Sorry, hmm. Bing. Um, and then, if you wanted to develop an app and you just wanted to make some calls, you could play around with this just to get more comfortable with how the API components work within Google's realm. So I thought this was kind of cool. I wanted just to kind of showcase the base URL of a a query. But then again, remember too, not every single API is the same, unfortunately. So let's keep moving on into the mix here. So next, let's talk a little bit about understanding HTTP. So turns out there's more happening behind the scenes. I think we sort of knew that without really knowing that. Now, APIs are everywhere. So they every time you get on the internet, you're hitting an API. You may not necessarily know what APIs you're hitting, but that's because developers have abstracted things out so much that you don't have to worry about it. Because think about it. If you had to tell your grandma that she had to go hit an API to like a social media post, she'd probably be like, I'm done. I'm never getting back on the internet, Right. So that's the beauty of what developers are able to do. They're able to abstract things away so that it's more simple and simplistic for end users to make use of. Now, the big piece to call out here. So. All web services are APIs, but not all APIs are web services. So in my example earlier, when I talked about hitting the API of eBay and the API of SAP without the browser, you would just be hitting that API directly. There wouldn't be any sort of HTTP communication, right? Um, There are ways to do that, right? REST is the most common type of API endpoint, and it's accessed over the Internet uh, using HTTP or HTTPS. So that's, you know, hypertext transfer protocol, because we do like to have a lot of acronyms in IT. Hypertext just basically means text goes somewhere else. That's probably the easiest way to describe it. And then transfer protocol is how it transfers the data, right? So that's the interesting part. And then in the realm of API, you're always requesting something, right? And You don't even think about it, but you're using it daily within what you have to do within your job. If you wanted to go figure out where a restaurant is, right? I'd like to go out to eat a lot in Chicago. That's why I always go back to, well, I go to social media examples and I go to uh, restaurant examples. So if you're thinking about it, you're sitting at your computer, you're sitting at your smartphone, you are initiating a request to a server. And we'll talk about what get post put deletes. There's also patch, what that means. And then you're getting a JSON response. Now, this is the realm of, it it makes sense to understand this a little bit, right? We don't have to be gurus in this realm. Um, We have our developer uh, comrades who can sort of help us out. Now the request HTTP side of things is where i want to talk about kind of what i want to talk about next let's talk a little bit about the request to start and then what the response looks like and if you can't get enough of wikipedia i've also linked to the specific page that talks about this and it might put you to sleep so if you have a a night where you're feeling like you can't go to sleep just open up these wikipedia pages they'll probably put you to sleep pretty quickly (laughs) so in the start line and this is the only thing required Keep that in mind, right? Now, everything else is sort of important dependent upon the API, but the only thing that's absolutely required is the start line. So that's where you put your version and it's always going to be 1.1. There is a version two that's out there. However, it's crappy and it's not used. So 1.1 was developed in like 1996 and it's crazy that we're still using technology from then, but hey, if it works, let's not change it up. And then you've got the method, right? So that's that's the get, put, delete, uh, get, put, yeah, post, patch, all of that. Then you've got your headers. That's where you'll put your, your host information, you know, google.com. You'll put your content type. Do you want it to be text? Do you want it to be XML, JSON, et cetera? That's where you can also see your token. So if you're doing authentication or authorization over the internet, that's the one thing you'll want to make sure uh, that, you know, you, you kind of factor in as well. From there, you've got a blank line and there's nothing ever that's put there. It's literally to separate the head from the body. It's to make it readable to the human eye. And then you've got your body response, right? So that's where you've got your, your, your get call, your post call. The response is somewhat similar. You get the version and then you get the status code. So I think all of us are familiar with 404, right? And not found. There's a bunch of them. And I will also link to it. Oh, actually, it's, I take that back. It's in this Wikipedia article. So if you're also like, what does 503 mean? Or 403, you can go in there. 425 is actually a status code. That's why we picked it for our show. We need to get a life is basically what i'm telling you but (laughs) we get excited about nerdy nerdy things so 425 is an early code like your request was too early the database wasn't online and ready to go that's probably the best way to describe it um in the header too you'll also get a cookie you can specify you know uh you'll, you'll see what's specified like like what's being sent back how big is that piece of data there's also a blank line in the response which is great because you need that info uh, and then you get the body. So that's where you'll see the data be changed. You'll see the the uh, data, you know, actually being retrieved. And then these are the methods. So get post put patch delete. And I'm going to blow through that because I want to make sure that we, I give it give myself enough time here to kind of talk about some of this a little bit more in depth, but get is just fetching the resource right get'll never change anything so if you are just worried about hitting an API get to your heart's content right that's what's happening on Google those are just get calls and then you've got post that's an insertion that's where it's adding to an existing resource then you've got Put, which is updated, updates, and it replaces an existing resource. So anytime you want to make a change, maybe to, say, some of your infrastructure you've deployed in whatever cloud provider you're using, right, I'm very familiar with Azure, but I know there are other cloud providers out there, you'd probably be using a POST command and not even necessarily knowing it, right? So like I mentioned earlier, a lot of the tooling you use to build an infrastructure programmatically using automation, that's all abstracted for you, right? Uh, Put, sorry. Patch is the partial modification or update to a resource, maybe changing one little thing. And then there's delete, which that is just deleting a resource. And then keep in mind, too, in the REST realm, everything is a resource. These are your response codes. So, again, I'll take that back. The uh, status codes is in there. Um, Again, interesting to probably bookmark and keep a hold of, because there are times I still get error or response codes that are errors. I don't know what the heck they are. So... It's nice to have this there so I don't have to remember all of it. I can just go to my favorite bookmark and take a look at it. But the 100 level are information codes. The 200 level are the successful codes. So anytime you get a 200, you're aces, right? 300 is redirection code. So if you've moved your website, if somebody hits the API or somebody hits that website using something like Postman, they might get a 300 response. 400 is the client-side error code. So 404 not found. I had to use the cat image there. Uh, And then there is the 500, that's the server error codes. So these are important just to sort of know they exist. Like I said, you don't have to know them exactly unless you see a specific error code kind of ad nauseum over troubleshooting something. And then you might just know it, right? Like So the 425 error code, I know because we joke about the fact that we should have been less geeky when we named our show. Now, here comes the sort of boring part, right? Protocols and architectures. These are kind of like the rules, the structures, and constraints that govern a given API's operation, aka the boring stuff. And I won't spend too much time here, but just know that you could go very deep in these areas and not necessarily kind of... We're really just kind of scratching the surface, right? But you go very deep in these areas and spend a lot of time if it's an interesting realm for you. Now, Before we move into REST, let's talk a little bit about SOAP. So SOAP stands for Simple Object Access Protocol. It's basically a messaging protocol. P.S., this is what came before REST. So this is the precursor to REST. It's great for interchanging data in a decentralized and distributed world. So that's where it got its start. It performs well in that distributed enterprise environment, and it doesn't assume a direct point-to-point communication. P.S., REST does. SOAP doesn't. So SOAP worked well in the Way Way Back machine, and it's not as used these days. This works with any application layer protocol. So HTTP, SMTP, TCP, UDP, et cetera. It returns the data to the receiver in an XML format and only XML. So as I'll talk about, rest is the exact opposite. Security authorization and error handling, it's sort of built into the protocol. And then it contains the following parts, envelope, header, body, fault. And I specified which ones are required and which ones are optional. Again, if you really want to know more about SOAP, click on that Wikipedia link. And I will also make sure that this PowerPoint is up on my GitHub repo. It's where I tend to share a lot of my presentations these days. Um, What I do is very transparent. I don't think anything I'm doing is a mastermind or there's nothing NDA about this, right? Like these things have been around for eons. I'm just trying to describe it a little bit easier so that folks sort of understand what's happening. Now, XML stands for Extensible Markup Language, and it's literally just a document format to exchange data over the internet or intranet, right? Because again, it could be something you use over an internet, or it could be something you use internal as well. It uses tags to label, categorize, and organize information in a specific way. Uh, It's it's extensible. I don't know why it's so hard for me to say. It's extensible. So most XML applications will work as expected all the time without a lot of tweaking, regardless of if data is added or removed, which is kind of cool. It will store the information in plain text, and then it provides a software and hardware independent way of storing, transporting, and sharing data. So here's a basic example. It looks very much like HTML. It would be a very basic message to Chris saying that I have my presentation ready for the V brown bag on Wednesday night. And it, I sent it at 7:30 my time, which is also Chris's time this time, because normally Chris is East coast. <laughs> so, uh, and it's funny because I was supposed to deliver this session. I think it was a month or two ago and I had just gotten Reese home and I'm like, I am sorry. I have to push it. So I thought this would be a funny example to show.
0: Totally understandable.
1: <laughs> but but then I found a really cool SOAP API example that's pretty, pretty complex, right? So I took it directly from this site. And so I'm not, you know, I'm giving credit to where I found it. But as you can see, it's pretty substantial in terms of the request and the response, right? And you've got the envelope, you've got the header, you've got the body, right? And it's all XML. And then you get the H the, the post request and the HTTP 1.1 200 okay response. Hmm. So that's kind of a, a cool one there. And again, I bring this up only because this is the precursor to rest. So if you ever get some dev who's never talked to anybody outside of you know, their cubicle mate, you kind of know what soap is now. You don't have to be an expert. Just tell them that you're not a developer. You just play one on TV, but I'm ching. And hopefully they like that joke. Um, <laughs> if they don't, you can just blame me.
0: And this is the part where i'm upset that i'm not at home because i literally have the rimshot noise on my stream deck which i cannot use right now (sighs) added
1: in the post production
0: that's it that's it that's what we'll do we'll do it in post
1: so now now rest right i think everybody's familiar with the rest api well what the heck does rest stand for and why is it all capitalized to make it even more confusing The R and the E and the S and the T, the RE comes from one word. It's representational state transfer. So it's basically like an architectural style that defines a set of recommendations for designing loosely coupled applications that use the HTTP protocol for data transmission. It doesn't really describe how developers go about implementing the principles at the lower level. It doesn't really care, right? Because it's kind of sort of a best practice. Whereas SOAP is an actual protocol, so it has to be a lot more strict. Now, REST guidelines allow developers to implement details according to their needs, which is awesome, right? So going back to our analogy from earlier, if Chris wanted to eat his fa with chopsticks, he could. If I wanted to eat my fa with a spoon, I could. I don't usually eat it with a spoon. But if I needed to, I could, right? Uh, because of the fact the API is handling all of that sort of quote-unquote dirty work, the back and forth between the kitchen and my meal. So it's up to me on how I wind up using that data. Now, the big piece to call out here is at the bottom of the slide, it needs six architectural constraints. So you need uniform interface. Uh, Oh, it's supposed to be client server separation. Then there's the statelessness component. So REST is 100% statelessness or stateless, I should say. Now, cacheable resources are also important. So one of the reasons why REST gained a ton of popularity is because you can cache the responses. There's a layered system as well, right? So the idea is it's not a super uniform way of passing a message from one end to another and getting the response back. It can sort of happen in kind of an asynchronous way. Um, And it just, it needs that direct kind of uh, client to server communication, but it's layered and it's kind of an interesting way of getting that response back. Um, And then code on demand is optional. So when necessary, the response can contain executable code Maybe it's JavaScript within the HTML response that the client can execute. So uh, that's kind of rest in a big nutshell. Well, a small nutshell, because I'm going to now move on into one of the most common ways you get a response back, which is JSON. And it's different from JSON. Um, And I can't tell you how many times I got tired of Outlook Correcting it to JSON, J-A-S-O-N. So it stands for JavaScript Object Notation. If you want to be sort of bored to tears, go to that Wikipedia link at the bottom. Um, Like I said, when I understood this a little bit better going back to it and kind of breaking it out into chunks made it make more sense so maybe that's the way you work but my mind is I need things to be catchy and fun otherwise I'm just like I don't care I'm not interested right but if you want to bore me to tears like I that's probably why it was a good thing I didn't go to school for computer science right I had a very atypical background I went to school for communication studies in English right and then I fell into technology by way of DJ but that's a separate story for a different day um JSON is a lightweight data exchange format, it's easy for humans to read and write, and it's also easy for machines to parse and generate. It's a great win-win on both sides. It's a text format, just like with the SOAP response. It's completely language interdependent, or sorry, independent. And then it uses conventions that are familiar to programmers and developers. So if you're familiar with how you call certain things, you can add that in and you can play around with different components within that API, right? So that's kind of a, a, a cool, easy, she says, yes, easy. Um, So, and then it's a collection of name value pairs. I think that's the big piece here. And that screenshot sort of shows it. You see optimization, true, output, hashing, all, budgets is an array, right? So... Most of these are usually going to be string or, or key key value pairs, right? But usually they're probably going to be like regular, regular string of a key value pair. Then you might see an array that would also be a key value pair, but just bundled that data up. And it can be an ordered list of values as well. So I took a very basic example, right? So my first name is Shannon. My last name is Keen. I live in Elmwood Park, which is a suburb of Chicago. So if you see me on the internet, I will talk about Chicago more often because most people don't know exactly where Elmwood Park is, right? It's just west of the city. Um, I stored my favorite colors in an array. So blue and black. And that would be sort of the response. So let's say you hit an API and you wanted to ask info about me. Uh, that's a way you could get that info back. And it's really up to the developers on how they show that information back. So JSON will be the way that the message comes back. The developer can choose to showcase it in a different way. Um, You know, It's really up to the developer on how they want to show that data back to the end user or the program requesting that data. Now, this is another way of looking at the example. So you'd issue out a post request. This is to a local host, and you can do it on a local host, but usually you see REST more so in the realm of the, the public world. Um, you see the HTTP is showing up as version 1.1, 1. 1. the content type is application WAC JSON, and then you get that info back, right? So the top is the call or the request, and the bottom is the response. There are some similarities, right? So REST and SOAP connect two applications via server-side data they are also both machine and human readable. Although I don't like looking at XML data. I don't know if you feel that way. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it at least is easier to understand than binary code, right? Um, Both use HTTP protocols and methods. Both can understand the XML web documentation and you can use XML and requests and response. PS, I know I didn't talk about that, but you can. If your, your, your REST API can spit out info in the realm of XML, you can get that info back. So it understands XML, but usually what you see and out there kind of in the wild, so to speak, is JSON. Now, these are the differences. So SOAP's official standard is based on a protocol. It's more strict, right? It's message format is only XML. Actually, let's do this this way. There's no official standard inside of REST. It's more like an architectural style. Really, it's up to the developer on how they wanna implement whatever they need from that API. The message format in SOAP is only XML, right? So. That's the response back from the API. The message format from a REST API could be plain text, XML, HTML, JSON, YAML, et cetera. The sky's the limit. The transfer protocol, this is where it swaps. The transfer protocol for SOAP could be HTTP, SMTP, UDP, TCP, et cetera, whereas REST can only be HTTP. So it's interesting. They sort of swap in the ways they're different. SOAP takes more resources and bandwidth. REST takes fewer resources and bandwidth. And as the way, as kind of the way it's gone, that's a more popular appeal for developers who are implementing APIs. API calls cannot be cached with SOAP. They can with REST, another win for REST APIs. Mm. SOAP is more strict. REST is best practices, more fluid. SOAP is built about, around remote procedure calls. REST is resource-based. So. Ultimately, the differences here are interesting, right? SOAP has poor performance. It's more complexity. It's less flexibility. It's a steeper learning curve. Developers didn't necessarily like SOAP, and that's sort of why it sort of died out in the API battle, right? You still have some APIs that are out there. You still have some developers that do implement SOAP APIs. It's just not as common. Now, REST has some interesting challenges. Less security. It's not suitable for distributed environments. The less security component you can solve. By way of authentication and authorization. I'll talk about that. I'm doing a quick time check. And then SOAP has high security, it's standardized, it's it's ex- it's extensible. I always want to botch that. REST is more scalable, better performance, it's there's browser friendliness, and there's a ton more flexibility. So in the i guess the war of apis that's probably not wars a little strong in the battle in the, <laughs> the, the battle API of wars. apis and and the and the you know the the arm wrestling battle of apis rest one kind of by a landslide so it uses standard http requests and that's why right to start it's more so in the realm of where we are we're mostly inside of a browser even on your phone you're probably mostly inside of a browser or if you're in an app it's still a browser and, and you know behind the scenes It's the preferred choice for public APIs and open source work. So that's why we talk a lot in the realm of cloud, everything's a public REST API. It's a lighter architecture and there's allowance for JSON. People do like JSON and people implement those responses differently, right? So Azure's JSON response is probably gonna be different than AWS's JSON response. And what Chris and I should do is do a cross comparison because I think it would be interesting to see what actually happens, right? And how that Hmm. looks. Um, the learning curve is less steep, so you're quicker to sort of start and build something and use a REST API and just kind of use it without having to worry about, do I have the right protocol? Am I sending it the right way? Do I have all the right required components of that request, et cetera, right? Whereas the only thing, uh, that, you know, that, that it's a little bit easier to implement in the realm of REST. Then there's scalability, flexibility, and portability, and then independence as well. So... How do you secure your REST APIs? Easy. There's HTTPS, right? So you can secure your APIs using a certificate, right? So certificate-based TLS, all requests are encrypted. And that's important because REST uses HTTP by default. So clear text is sent and received, and that's just bad security posture. So you probably want to put a security parameter around that by way of a certificate. There's also another component here to talk about, and I would be uh, remiss not to talk about this because that's my world these days. Authentication and authorization. So you can secure your web app or your web API from unauthorized users. You can think about authentication and authorization. So your authentication is username, password, MFA challenge, right? And are you accessing it from the right device in the right location, et cetera? And authorization, are you authorized to use this application? The token-based authentication is definitely the design or the realm that we've moved toward. And so you're seeing the modern identity platforms used more readily in the world of cloud specifically. Even if you're on-premises, there's ways to use token-based authentication as well. So as I mentioned in the previous slide, you'll always use TLS. Then there's oauth too. So that's an authorization protocol that allows third parties to access content owned by a user without them having to know the user's username or password. So I think all of us have probably signed in for a service and used our Gmail account or God forbid, signed in and use our Facebook account. I hope those, you know, those never go away because you're going to screw a lot of people up from accessing like their Spotify accounts or some sort of online shopping, right? Um, That is OAuth. And if you think about OpenID Connect, that's a simple identity layer on top of the OAuth2 protocol. It allows clients to verify identity of the end user based on the authentication performed by an authorization server, as well as to obtain public profile information about the end user. So if you wanted to send more info, like if you wanted to actually say, ah, you know, I am Shannon. I am going to log into this brand new service. This service requires my first name, my last name, my email, and my phone number. You can do that by way of OpenID Connect sitting on top of OAuth 2. Pretty cool. I very much so simplified it. But that's, I think, where we get tripped up. We get so excited about the details that we forget that we also need to make this applicable so that folks sort of know what's going on. And how am I doing on time? Okay, so I've got 12 minutes-ish, right, Chris? You're doing great. Okay. (laughs) Now comes the fun stuff. Yay. Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't like YAML either. YAML is not my favorite because if you have the wrong spacing, your stuff doesn't work, and it's really frustrating for somebody who's just not a developer, right? Okay, so let's. I'm going to close out of this. So, if you're not familiar, and let me put this in here in the chat. Uh, let's see, everyone. Ooh, I'm getting better at Zoom. These are great public APIs that you can play around with, right? So if you're not familiar, Postman is the tool that a lot of developers will use. Uh, Prior to Microsoft, I had never used Postman. So I have to, you know, be upfront and say, I never touched this prior to Microsoft. I am in it more than I uh, thought I ever would if you would have talked to me five, 10 years ago you know? And if you would talk to me then too, I don't know if I would have said people would trust the cloud. So here we are, very different world.
0: And <laughs> if you're ever
1: if you're ever curious, though, these are all public APIs that you can play around with, right? So the interesting thing is there's some public SOAP APIs. Now, granted, I tried to play around with some of these because I wanted to show it. A lot of them aren't really working right. So I thought, you know what? The cooler thing to do would be to show some examples. I have Postman fired up, so I'll walk through that. And then these are the public REST APIs, but you know, you've know you got things like COVID data. This was how people kind of built a lot of interesting models and things of that sort. Third-party public APIs, state and local government, right? It's a really cool spot to go in and play around. If you wanna know about tacos, you can hit this API, right? So all kinds of fun stuff. And thankfully people have senses of humor, so it's not all dry and boring and dreary. Um, let me bring Postman up here, okay. So now one of the public APIs is api.ipify.org. So remember, this is the base URL, and this is the, the, well, this is the query. I'm asking for the format to come back in JSON. Now, the parameters here, it's all populated for me, but if I wanted to, I could change this to XML, right? It would just give me, you know, probably show me about the same thing. So I'll leave it at JSON. These are kind of the auto-generated headers. They sometimes run and are calculated at runtime. You don't need it to hit these. So let's just hit send. We got a status of 200, okay, cool. So let's scroll up and look, it's a JSON response. And this is my public eye, please don't try and hack me because I don't think you can. If you can actually let me know because I'll have to button up whatever <laughs> security loophole exists. Um, and I think if you if you change this to x m l so let's run this again, yeah, it just gives me the public i p so it's it's there's different ways of getting information I think it even works with like text too, so let's try it. yep, so same thing, kind of a cool little bit there, right um, I have used this specifically when I've built things with PowerShell or the AZ CLI and I need to know my public IP and I don't feel like going to what is my IP.com and plugging it in as a variable, there's nifty things you can do by hitting this uh, API at runtime. So I'll close this out. We've already talked about. It. Now, this will get all of the makes of cars. So this is the specific gov API. It shows up in that postman list, right? Get all makes, the format JSON. So these are, again, the sort of, auto-generated headers. You don't need it for this simple call. Got 200 down here. Let me take a look. Aston Martin. Keep scrolling down. BMW. There'll be a way you could filter on, you know, Lamborghinis, right? You wanted to see all the Lamborghinis. You could filter on Lamborghini. Now, I didn't have enough time to figure out all the right ways to filter it, but some of these public APIs have a lot of good documentation. So, you know, definitely check out the documentation, because if you are interested in hitting APIs or understanding what's happening, and guess what, this gets you some cool points with developers, because now they can go talk to you about hitting APIs, um, you could figure out how to get only what you're looking for back, right? So in this call, I'm getting all makes, but you could just kind of forcibly say, I just want everything that's Toyota. Uh, So let's go here. This is API and an API that hits lyrics, so it's looking for an artist and a title. Again, the headers are the auto-generated headers; they're not relevant for this, but you do need an artist. You do need a title. And I was thinking about this when I was coming up with this this demo. So let's do Hanson. Oops. Let's see if I can spell it right. Uh, and let's do Mbop. Bop. Not I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan, <laughs> but this is why I'm in it. So now notice I am incorrectly spelling it. So I, I did this thinking that I spelled it correctly. 404, not found, no lyrics found. And I was like, isn't that what the name of the song's called? Like, you know, cause like you, you're, you're ripping and running throughout the day. You don't think about things. And one of my friends was talking about Hanson earlier in the day on social media. So I was like, okay, what am I missing? There's one more M. I was like, of course there is. You hit send again boom status okay so then you get all of the lyrics that you didn't think you ever needed so so yeah and the carriage returns (laughs) which are so awkward and I didn't even realize that's what these were when I first started playing around with APS I'm like what is this whack n and I was like oh it's it's okay it's a it's a carriage return. Of course, I got the answer that was very unwieldy, and I was like, "Okay, I just need to know like the specifics." Oh yeah, no prince. I guess I could do prince. Let's see. Hang on. Um,
0: it's really tough to sing the carriage returns too, though. So it, it you know, is. That's it why is. they make the big money.
1: Should do was it a little red Corvette? Did I spell it right?
0: We'll find out. <gasps> yep, I did. did.
1: Yep, and so you get all of that back with the carriage returns, which is always which is always fun. Um, but again, you know, it's coming back as JSON, which is kind of cool. Um, so the next demo I have is a little long. Um, and I'm gonna do a, a quick OAuth demo, right? Mm. Because I'd be also remiss not to talk about this. Um, so let's go into the Azure portal. Um, this is probably Chris's favorite, right? Because he's never in the Azure portal. He's always like, What's what's good? What's the Azure? So I'm That's in my it's a yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm in my actual personal tenant. And what I am going to do here is I am going to go down to an app registration. So I'm going to create a very highly, I guess, elevated account. And I'm going to use OAuth to make that call. So let's create a brand new registration. I will call it v brown bag app. And I'm going to only make it be. Uh, accounts in this organizational directory only. Notice how you can specify any organizational directory. So this could be a B2B scenario, right? You're collaborating with somebody at a different company that also has Office 365 or Azure Active Directory. Um, Accounts in an organizational directory and personal accounts and then personal accounts only. Kind of cool, right? Just going to hit register. So there's some things you wind up getting at the top and I actually have Azure Mask on. So you get the The uh, client ID, which let me capture that because I do need that later. I provide the client ID. So let me go get the client ID in there. And then I need the endpoint. So I'm going to use the OAuth2 authorization endpoint. Or you can still hit the OpenID connect, the graph endpoint, et cetera. For purposes of just kind of showing how to manipulate OAuth, I'm going to grab this endpoint, I'm going to move some stuff around. Sorry. I've got multiple screens here. How do we ever exist without multiple screens? That's the next hot take. How do we exist without that? I don't know.
0: I I am currently struggling with my one laptop. I'm sure you are. I'm like (laughs) furiously flashing in between the different, like my, 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 my three finger, I I just learned the three finger Mac go from screen to screen thing. And so I'm like back and forth, back and forth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And how do we survive before Alta Vista? Yeah, I know. Right. That's (laughs) Also relevant. Okay, so I'm gonna flip the mask back on because I'm gonna actually add a secret, right? So new client secret. We'll just call this uh new secret. And you can specify when it when it expires, right? Just know that if you're doing this and you set this, either set a calendar reminder in or build some sort of automation that will go in and query the REST API and you'll get info about when this expires. So that's kind of cool. So I'm going to hit that. Um I'm going to take this value. I'm going to put it over here. Okay? So now we've we've created an application registration, right? And we're going to use Postman to sort of get a get a token and then we're going to log into the app. So, we need a couple of things. I won't call, I won't give it a name, doesn't really matter. I need the auth URI. So that's this I got that earlier. I need the token endpoint. Um, I need the client ID on oh, it. Don't me. Yeah, you will see the client secret because I don't have a way to mask this, but I'll just scroll around. Actually, it'll be, it'll be if you, if you memorize this, I'll give you, I don't know, a high five. So here's the client secret. And I'm going to do user dot read. So I'm hitting the Microsoft Graph API. So I'm going to get an access token. It's going to log in. So you see it's the V Brown bag app, right? I'm hitting rest APIs PS. This is my my tenant. So it wants to sign in and read my profile and it wants it's going to maintain access to the data I've given access to. So it's just info about me. So I'll hit accept. Oh, I need the reply address. Don't Hang on. So this is definitely proof we're doing it live. Uh, let's see, do 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 do. Where is it? Let's see. Token name, authorization code. I need this. So I need I need to put this in inside of uh, Azure. So let's go back into the app itself. Let's go back to its authentication. So we'll add a platform. It's going to be web. We need a redirect URI. Sorry. Proof we're doing this live so now it's there jeez i don't remember i about. know i know so now <laughs> it should show up yeah so here's the there's the redirect URI. so let's let's try that again and this should work this time so we're going to create get a new access token so my call is authenticated because i already said oh did i grab the wrong thing hang on a second let's go back to the console my address is registered. Oh, it's because I just added it. Okay, let's try it again. Okay, it's authenticated. Let's go back to the app. Proceed. There's my token. So I'm going to use the token and I am going to hit the graph endpoint. And you saw that earlier. You can get oh. that in all of your endpoints when you create this application registration. I'm going to hit send. And I get a 200 status okay. And I got all my info. Now, yes, you see that I'm in shakeen.net right? Microsoft has a lot of interesting policies that they kind of push on us, unfortunately. So I had to add my Microsoft email into my personal tenant. But that shows you it's it's pretty straightforward to authenticate in. Let me, um, let me, let me change one thing. So I'm going to do user.read.all. So this change, I need to get a new access token. Now, remember, token authentication, this is the way we do it. So this app would now like to read all users' full profiles. So and then you can always consent on behalf of your organization for purposes of walking through this today. I usually don't because I like to show the prompt and continually show the prompt. So my call is authenticated. The authentication is complete. I'll hit proceed. Now, so this is like this is just a bearer token, right? And if you're not familiar, this is just it's it's a way to get access two resources in a time-based fashion. There's no way you would remember how to do this. It's not even going to be valid longer than 60 minutes, I think, or maybe it's 30 minutes. Uh I'm going to use the token. So it's been added in, right? This is my bearer token here. Um, Let's change this graph endpoint to users. So This will be all users. Now remember this token now, I can use it and grab info about all of the users and boom, 200 okay. And I've got look, I've got a VMware user in here. That's one of my accounts I use for my, I I need again, I need a life. I have a VMware environment at my house. Um and I do things with it. But yeah, so it's it's all of these dummy accounts that I have in my environment that I've synced up through Azure Active Directory Connect. So while I still had to put a um an actual client secret in, the token I got. I used to call this API, and that token is how I authenticated and accessed the information back from the API. So that mm-hmm. kind of takes us at time. Um, that's what I have, and I mean, you know, hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. Hopefully, it's not as much of a, a foreign uh, topic as it may have once felt. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely been a journey. You know, Chris, we've we've joked about this if we would have been told five, 10, 15 years ago this is what we'd be doing professionally. I don't think either of us would have believed that was going to be our reality, you know?
0: Not even a little bit.
1: <laughs> so hopefully that makes sense. Definitely feel free to connect with me. Like I said, I'll put this presentation online and Chris will do the honors of you, you really should add that in um that that in, in the post-production so that uh we could we could have some hilariousness in the middle of the presentation.
0: Oh, I'm, to- I'm totally gonna do that. Shannon, this this was, so I've, I've been playing with um, APIs at, at, from a number of different angles recently. Um, one, one, through my employment uh, and the things that I'm doing on, at the office. Um, two, I'm also playing with it at home doing the 100 days of code. And I'm using Python for my 100 days of code. And like I'm on day 44 right now. And it's like create a weather app that takes your localization API from the weather thing and then, and then munge it and, and turn it into like a uh, a tweet on your phone using the API from Twilio to then send you yeah. a thing, send an umbrella. Like if it's gonna rain in the next 12 hours, then bring an umbrella with you and it sends it to your phone via SMS. So, so I've been playing with it, but your breakdown of like the background of the why has, has filled in so many gaps for me. Like, oh, like, thank
1: you. Yeah. Well, because- I'm, glad, I'm glad. Cause I, I, I literally like that. That's what I want to do. So that's why, so I think this all came about when I said I get some more than I ever thought I would have gotten about HTTP re- requests and responses. And I yes. understand rest APIs. And you were like, do you want to come talk at the V brown bag? And I'm like, uh, yes, when, and that's how this all, <laughs> that, that, that's how this all started. And, right. uh, and, and it's just, it's been a, a fun learning journey. And I think it's one of those things where, um, I'm going to be starting to blog more about it on my own personal blog, and then the four two five show has a blog that I think I just got access to. So you should see some stuff there. I, I often feel like we way overcomplicate things, and we shouldn't because if you go back to the analogy of the API being the waiter, that, that makes so more sense. An,
0: that was an awesome explanation for it. I, yeah, because because I w- even even though I've been playing with them for half a year now, I, I was still kind of like struggling with the 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 logical construct of how it fetches and grabs things. And that, that really helped me out. I, this, this was a fantastic presentation.
1: Okay, Thank good, you. good, um, <laughs> I, I got, I got, yeah. So I don't know, Graham, I don't know if you want somebody to come in and explain API design. Maybe I could do it in a funny way because I think API design is where you get into the minutiae and that really sort of boring side of things. Um, just maybe, maybe look at the Wikipedia link in my presentation. See if that gives you some info. Um, you could also poke around on the internet. There are a lot of scholarly articles on how REST was sort of developed and the mm. uh, API design, right? So, um, and like I said, it's like architectural best practices versus this has to follow a rigid, specific standard because it's a protocol, right? Whereas SOAP is the protocol, so it gets interesting. But yeah, thanks for having me. This has been a a fun opportunity to kind of expand what I've been learning and teach more people, hopefully, how uh, APIs work in general. And like I said, you don't have to be a guru. You've got your developer folks that you're probably working in close cohorts with. Just make sure that you sort of understand this a little bit because you're probably hitting a REST API and you don't even know you're hitting a REST API, especially if you work in the realm of IT and you're Mm -hmm. building things in the cloud, right? That's all REST APIs. So...
0: It's it's fun. I mean, you, you and I came from like, you know, operations and, and, you know, b- building and migrating data centers and all that stuff. So, so all, all of those, all of those GUIs that we were clicking through, uh, they were all APIs. Yeah, you know, right, what, right.
1: And so some of them were SOAP APIs, right? Like I remember right, when I first right. saw SOAP as an error and I'm like, I don't understand what this SOAP XML error is. I think it was with something in, in um, I want to say it was Veeam, but I'm not positive it was Veeam. It was something in the VMware realm. It could have been even vSphere specifically. Um And I was like, I don't even understand what the hell soap. What the hell, like soap? I don't get it. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. We were hitting APIs. We didn't even know it. And, uh, you know, we were just hitting next, next, next. So I went from clicking next a lot to now I build out stuff using code and I don't have an anxiety attack. So if I can do that much, I think anybody can do it. Right. And the beauty is you're never starting from scratch. I think that's what I thought when I was originally going down this path of understanding cloud more and understanding development techniques that I was gonna be starting from scratch. And there is a ton to sort of get you started. That's why I showcased Mm. the public APIs that uh, Postman has on their site, because it's a great way to just go explore, right? And it just, it helps you out with having conversations with with customers, right? Especially if that's kind of what you do. I think a lot of, a lot of us in this realm sort of have conversations with customers Mm -hmm. and uh, those customers have to feel confident that you're doing the right thing and you're not leading them down this path of, you know, (laughs) the, what did the, the chamber, no, what is it? What's the, Uh, princess bride, the depths of despair. Yeah. So is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So they want to make sure that's not where they're going. So I think having some vernacular or having some understanding of it, even at a rudimentary level counts for so much.
0: And and we're going to put all of these links into the uh, show notes, and okay, so we'll ha- we'll have the Postman show notes. We'll have the, the the links to the Wikipedia articles, all that stuff. We'll, we'll, okay, we'll provide perfect. all that so that as perfect. people are watching it, that they can click through. Um, I didn't know that Postman actually had all of those. Ap- so I have I have an API folder in my browser that stores all the the APIs that I've played with, including Twilio and weather and all that stuff. But um, now that I know that there's a a one-stop shop for like fun APIs to hit for tacos, I'm definitely (laughs) going to be using that.
1: (laughs) You should. Yeah. And I was getting a kick out of all the different... There's uh, something for Game of Thrones there Stop, Star are Star Wars. I, I think Star Wars. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um. I was shocked to see there wasn't a Harry Potter API, but I bet you there is a Harry Potter API because a lot of Harry Potter fans work in IT. So I bet you there is an API that Postman doesn't have inside of their collections. guarantee right?
0: that there's a so. Harry Potter API. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, you know, the, the beauty is there's a lot of great ways of getting better and getting more adept, but again, you don't have to be a guru, but I think knowing a little about a lot counts for so much in this world, especially because, you know, things are changing so quickly, right? Like Mm -hmm. Microsoft will change an API and you'll be able to extract different data out. And that's probably helpful to tell a customer, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, same in the realm of AWS or GCP, right? Or maybe you're trying to make a a solution on-premises hit an API that's a public API. You probably need to know a little bit about what's happening, but you don't have to understand like the nitty gritty details. Just kind of understand the overall flow. It's always a communication pattern, right? I'm requesting info. The API is like, cool, let me get it for you. Here it is. You do what you want with that data, right? So that's kind and, of the and how the, the it's cool coming
0: thing. back. Is it coming back as a dictionary, a list right. of dictionaries, a dictionary <laughs> right. of lists, and then how to munch through it?
1: Right, right. Oh yeah. So yeah, there there is there is an API Harry Potter. Nice. There are several Harry Potter APIs. I mean, so Graham is so helpful. Those. I know. He's I love, so helpful. I love having Thanks, Graham, Graham. As,
0: as an attendee. <laughs> 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 awesome. Oh. Well. Go back to that baby and go and change them. Change I'm gonna. We're gonna both go back and start changing some diapers immediately probably. after the show. Yeah. So. Hopefully,
1: hopefully he's asleep. If not, yes, there's probably some diaper changing in my future.
0: <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> All right. Well, Shannon, thank you, um, folks. Thanks for attending. Uh, we will see you again next week for for our next show. This this was as always, Shannon. This was wonderful, and we really oh, appreciate God. you, you coming glad. on.
1: I'm glad it was fun. I'll think about something else to come on and and talk about because I. I this is the hard part, right? Developers want to like overcomplicate things. And I'm like, yeah, I just need to know that an API is literally a communication pattern to a something and that something goes and gets the data. So I was like, this, this will be a fun one to, you know, present
0: They like to justify that, that exorbitant. um, You know what? I'm not getting into it. I mean, this we're, we're still recording, so I'm not going to start. I'm not going to start World War III here. I love it. Awesome. All right, folks. Thanks and have a great night. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.